Welcome to LBO Pods. This is the official podcast series for the second iteration of the Learning at the Bottom of the Pyramid Conference, co-organized by Penn GSE and UNESCO IEP. Hi, everyone. Welcome to LBO Pods. My name is Ting Ting Ray, and I'm very excited to be interviewing Dr. Nathan Castillo today. Dr. Castillo is an international education development scholar with expertise in learning assessment, program evaluation, and educational technologies. He has worked as an development practitioner of education, health, and economic development projects throughout Central and South America, as well as Sub-Saharan Africa. Dr. Castillo has extensive experience in national and international development issues and has served as an advisor to UNICEF, the Inter-American Development Bank, USAID, UNESCO, and several international non-government organizations. He is currently an assistant professor at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. His recent multi-year study in South Africa applies a language-centered technology approach to support early grade reading in rural classrooms, which received the Editor's Choice Award of UNESCO International Review of Education in 2019. Dr. Castillo, welcome. Happy to be here. And um, as you mentioned, I am an assistant professor at the University of Illinois. Um, uh, I provide lectures and, and conduct research along global studies in education. And specifically, um, I'm interested uh, in understanding how kids, children, students learn how to read um, in, in many parts of the world. And particularly as um, how we can leverage technology or digital solutions in appropriate ways to help support those practices of just uh, teaching, learning, and, and assessment. Thank you. Um, and to start off, can you please tell us a little bit about the work that you do as it relates to learning at the bottom of the pyramid? And what does learning at the bo- bottom of the pyramid mean to you? Great. Yeah. So um, I would say, first and foremost, it's advocating for students or, or learners more broadly that often get overlooked in policy decisions and how they view themselves in, in the curriculum that they're engaging in in the classroom. And so specifically as it's related to um, language learners, um, uh, individuals from ethnic minorities, um, students that don't have access to some of the resources that they're, they're well, more well, well-off peers um, have access to at the home prior to coming to the school or even after they leave the school. So, so advocating for these students, making sure that they are best supported in the classroom and also um, supporting the, the pedagogical practices to help reach learners that often get overlooked in, in policy and curriculum decisions. So that's, that's essentially what my research tries to do and how, and I, and I think that technology can um, be leveraged in a positive way to help support those practices. Thank you. So you mentioned about leveraging technology to help support those people at the bottom of the pyramid. So what are some unique advantages of uh, technology to learning at the bottom of the pyramid? Well, as, as my colleagues and I put forward in the paper that we submitted for the, for the conference, we see um, there's, many, there's many areas that technology can support um, learning at the bottom of the pyramid. Um, but specifically, we highlight uh, three three domain areas: uh, teaching and learning, data and implementation, and evaluation. And as it's related um, to teaching and learning, specifically, as I mentioned, you know, technology can um, it, it can be very easy to deliver content in multiple languages simultaneously. I think that's a major advantage. 
Um, <clears throat> we can also support uh, teacher professional development um, and help lower costs in terms of how to better support teachers and, and kind of help them rethink their own pedagogies and understanding what's needed to support learning in their classrooms. So um, oftentimes, as you see around the world, it's this one size fits all curriculum. Well, I think um, it's pretty <clears throat> broadly accepted now that that hasn't been able to produce the type of learning outcomes that we're hoping to produce through the sustainable development goals. And so uh, using technology to rethink these pedagogies to start looking at more tailored approaches for uh, delivering content in, in the context that are um, digestible and, and understandable by students from uh, many different learning backgrounds and, and, and home situations in many different languages. And the data component of that is looking at real-time feedback and not just, not just being able to process data in real time, but helping teachers understand what they can do with that data in real time, instead of waiting till the end of the year for um, a national assessment or some kind of national exam to understand where the, where the learners are in their, in their process. Um, and then finally with, with evaluation, um, it is more thinking about what, what is the uh, type of agile deployment that we can use in our curriculum that takes a problem first approach to uh, understanding the context, the situation, the lived experiences of the students in the classroom to design better uh, content uh, and curriculum um, that, that leverages many of the, the contextual factor, factors that we see in, part, in, in many parts of the developing world that are complex, dynamic, um, and that need to take uh, more of a, of a concerted effort to bring in the lived experiences of students in their classrooms. So those are some of the three key areas that we see technology, uh, being able to leverage technology in a meaningful way to help uh, improve learning outcomes for learners at the bottom of the pyramid. Thank you, that's very interesting. That's also a lot of information and it seems like technology can provide a broad range of um, advantages to these students and teachers in developing countries. Um, what about technology itself? So throughout the time that you've worked on ACTED in developing countries, what are some evolving changes in this field and in um, educational technology that you've witnessed? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, what what I've seen through through my research over the years is more of an emphasis on, on focusing on better design features. So um, understanding similarly to curricular, curricular content that one size fits all doesn't work as well. Um, we can't assume that one size, that, that, that technology will be able to provide this one size fits all solution. So we need to be thinking more about design features as they are informed by a collaboration with communities uh, and stakeholders to understand what what are not only the um, more traditional literacies that we should be planning for in designing digital solutions, but also what's the, what's the um, technological literacy that we have to be accounting for? Because um, if we're coming in from, uh, which, which I don't do, if, if you come in from the outside and you don't understand fully what the context is in the local community, you can design the best solution, but it won't be able to be implemented or received well by the community without their input and without their constant feedback and helping improve uh, the user experience, the design and, and the implementation of that digital solution. And so we're seeing a lot more emphasis on that as it's related 
as it's related to, we're seeing a lot more emphasis on that as it's related to digital solutions. Um, and another aspect of that, which is critical in developing countries and for LBOP communities is more of an emphasis on low to no connectivity solutions. So um, earlier innovations um, may have focused uh, unreliably on um, more connected communities or more advanced technologies. But now we see that we can do a lot with existing and native um, digital uh, devices that are already available to communities. So we're not importing um, foreign content or devices. We're, 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 again, leveraging what's already there to help improve the sustainability and the buy-in from the local community. So that, those are two of the main things that I've seen. Um, better design, better emphasis on design features and more emphasis on low connectivity to, uh, solution. Thank you. That's very interesting. You mentioned about design and you also mentioned about uh, focusing on those low connectivity. And I remember when I learned about educational technology, I learned about those really big projects um, like um, One Laptop Per Child. And it seems like the um, nutrients that you talked about are more focused. So do you think that um, the new um, potentials for educational technology in uh, LBOP countries will be more smaller projects in, instead of those really big scale projects like um, one laptop per child. Well, um, I, I do I do acknowledge the positive outcomes of those large scale initiatives like OLPC and others. Um, they, they taught us a lot about what not to do or what to think about better. Um, to have a stronger impact. Again, I think some of the earlier solutions focus too much on the inputs, um, that is providing devices, and less so on the outcomes, which is uh, the actual learning that occurred as a result of exposure to those digital solutions. And so um, we learned a lot from those early, early innovations. Um, we've learned how to fine tune and tweak things, maybe at a smaller scale at first, um, to be able to see if there A, is an impact and B, is it cost effective um, uh, as opposed to other solutions that maybe don't use uh, digital solutions. As, as we know, there's a lot, there's limited resources in ministries of education budgets and um, technology might not be the most cost effective way to increase you know, a, a fraction of a standard deviation and learning outcomes. Um, but I think it's important to be able to test and experiment because I think experimenting with digital solutions or other innovations um, gets us closer to understanding and, and informs our understanding in a better way. But yes, I, I think in terms of technology, because there's such a front-loaded cost involved, I think it's important to um, try to see what a smaller pilot impact could be and look at a sustainable way for scaling that up. Um, and, and I think that's, that's something that we're seeing more and more with, with learning technologies. That's very true. I think, um, especially for technology solutions, testing and experience, it's very, very important for um, the projects. So we talked about um, the evolving changes and we talked about the trends. And um, speaking of the trend, I think one thing that we have to mention uh, when we talk about educational technology in 2020 is probably COVID-19. So 
Um, in the last section of your paper, you also talked about how COVID-19 has provided new directions for learning with EdTech. So does COVID provide new ideas for your research focus and how has the pandemic influenced your research? So I think COVID-19 has kind of thrust technology and te technology enhanced learning solutions into the forefront. I think it was more of a niche sector prior to COVID-19, but because the whole world virtually had to go to remote learning, that is um, something that we had to we had to confront. We had to we had to understand and to face. Now the the thing that also we learned from COVID-19 and remote learning is that there's a there's a huge um, distinction between communities that have resources and can continue their learning experience through remote learning, through, through virtual learning, and, and a large proportion of the world that cannot. And so we, we've seen emphasis on uh, what some would call earlier generation digital solutions, such as interactive radio instruction or audio instruction, um, which has benefited communities that don't have access to computers or connected connected communities more generally. Radio broadcast or audio broadcast something that's much more acceptable or accessible, I should say. And um, that's allowed us to kind of go back to the, to the wheelhouse and um, understand what we can do with technology that might not be the, the best and shiniest solution that people are experiencing with now, but that we can look back to see what have we done in the past that's been successful? How do we leverage um, earlier generations of technology solutions, digital solutions for communities that have low to no connectivity. And I think that's something that's been very clear and apparent uh, in this COVID era that we're living in right now. And that's also influenced my own research and understanding um, what can we, what do we have to work with? You know, what, where do we start? Um, let's not try to go with the, the most complex um, uh, shiny solution, but let's think about what we can leverage locally and, and to, to help continue uh, learning during COVID. Do you, can you see some um, new opportunities that wasn't there before um, because of this pandemic for the EdTech field? Yeah, well, again, I think it's, it's kind of, it's allowed us to kind of reset our thinking of how digital solutions should be developed for communities more broadly to specifically focus on LBOP communities. I think they're, they're for a while now, um, with the onset of OLPC and, and others that have focused a little bit more heavily on more advanced technologies, I think <clears throat> it's allowed us to kind of reset and think about who has access to tech and who doesn't, and how can we be more inclusive in terms of the solutions that we develop? And I think that's been a very meaningful meaningful approach to take, especially now, <clears throat> understanding the numbers of children that have been affected by, by COVID-19 and, and understand that not everybody has the same context that we can operate through. So um, looking at uh, low cost, low tech solutions that can be supportive of rethinking these pedagogies that I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the interview so that um, we don't have groups of learners that are left out of the conversation or left out of access to, to learning. And, and I think that's been a very important um, approach or a reality to have faced, um, unfortunately, as a result of this global pandemic, but I think it's been meaningful in, in terms of how we consider and design 
digital solutions so that um, all children can continue their learning. Yeah, and that also takes us back to um, this learning at the bottom of the pyramid conference that we are going to have. So um, before we let you go, can you share with us one thing that you're looking forward to the most in the upcoming LBOP conference? Well, obviously it, it would be nice to connect uh, in person with all of the outstanding uh, scholars that are gonna be a part of the, of the conference. But I think an unintended advantage of doing this virtually is that it allows um, greater, um, I guess, momentum to be able to continue the conversation. So I'm looking forward to um, participating not only in the panel that, that I'm gonna be um, engaged with on technology, but also hearing from my colleagues from around the world over the course of the two weeks to understand their views on, on this concept of LBOP communities and, and extending learning, um, continuing the conversation of how not only the thematic papers can help inform our understanding defining uh, LBOP, but also hearing from our the, the country counterparts to see what's going on now in, um, in, in context in those countries to help address these solutions for LBOP. But also, where do we go from here and how we can um, continue the momentum for these conversations to, to not only talk about it amongst, amongst ourselves, but actually put more emphasis on implementation and, and delivering solutions instead of just um, writing about them. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and the next phase, uh, potentially of a, of, a, of phase three of LBOP to actually get out and, and start implementing some of the ideas that we're considering in this conference, but implementing them on the ground. That sounds very exciting. I'm so excited for the LBOP conference and I'm also very looking forward to hearing about your paper presentation. Um, Dr. Castillo will be presenting us a paper on the impacts of Aztec to LBOP, so please stay tuned. And uh, thank you, Dr. Castillo, for a great discussion. And thank you for being part of this podcast series. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for your question. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of LBO Pods. Please continue to our other episodes to learn more about the learning at the bottom of the Pyramid Conference 2020.